Good morning, everybody. Hey, sorry we came up late. Blake Nelson and AJ Pickin couldn't stop talking, and I couldn't get out of that conversation. And Joel's in it too right now. So I know, it's hard, it's hard. Um, let's stand together. As people are coming in, we're going to begin our worship, and I just want to give you some context with uh, just for the people that are up here. This is a summer ministry team, and we just got done being at a youth camp in the state of Arizona where we led the Arizona Nazarene youth in worship for a whole week. And what we thought would be a great start of this service, as we're leading this one today, um, is if we did one of the songs that was probably the most meaningful to the students, and maybe you'll see why. It goes like this. I got love, joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. Whoa, yeah. Now let's sing this together. I got love, joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. We are rejoicing for the faithfulness of God today. Let us stand together and let us perform our worship in a way that shows God our thanks and our gratitude. For our God is so good and so faithful. Lord, you deserve our praise. You deserve our offering this day. Let us sing of God's faithfulness. Come on. I waited patiently upon the Lord, and he inclined and heard my cry. He pulled me up out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock. He gave me beauty for ashes and joy for So good, so, so good to me. So good, so, so good to me, Jesus. Oh, sing of your things. So good, so, so good to me. So good, so, so good to me. So good, so, so good to me, Jesus. Sing with confidence. I waited patiently upon the Lord. And he inclined. Up out of the mind he set my feet upon a rock. He gave me beautiful ashes and joy for my morning. Praise heaven is. He put a song in my mouth. So Alright, right now you're gonna know exactly why the kids love this song. It's because at camp we put some dance moves in this song. 
if you feel very comfortable with this, I invite you to do the next part. It's going to be in the lyrics, and I'm going to show you real quick how it goes. It's going to go like this. Because he picked me up, turned me around, and he placed my feet on the solid ground. Hallelujah. Hey. If you just want to do the hand waving, this is totally fine. I know the rest is really fast. You pick me up again, you turn around, and he placed my feet. Oh, good job, Riley. Nice. Hallelujah. Okay, let's try it together. No pressure here. Here we go. Pastor D. Kelly, thanks for letting us do that. That was very fun. Thank you.
Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. <laughs> it's on. Good morning. There we are. Wow, I feel like that was the best like church warm-up we've ever had. Like, I feel like ready to go. So I'm going to keep this really quick. Good morning, everybody. My name is Tyler. I'm the director of communications here on staff. So great to be with all of you uh, this beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, before we get started and continue with our worship service today, just a few announcements about the life of our church. But first, as usual, if you have a smartphone and you want to check in really quickly, the QR code is right on the front page of your bulletin or on the screen up behind me. You can hover your camera app right over that. It'll lead you to a brief Google form. You can leave your name, contact info, any prayer requests you might have. This is kind of the best way uh, to communicate with us over in the church office if you ever need to update your contact information. Make sure that you're getting our weekly emails that get delivered on Friday afternoons. And uh, let us know if you have any prayer requests or things you want to let us know about. So please take the time to fill out that, that form really quick before you uh, leave church today. Um, it's great to be here worshiping Sunday morning with this wonderful band that just got back from camp in Arizona, as well as alongside our kids, several of whom got back from camp at the Forest Home this past week. Yeah, welcome back. Hey, raise your hand if you just got back from camp. Okay, a good number of you. Okay, everybody that was at camp, not you guys, on the count of three, in like two words or less, shout out your favorite thing about camp. Ready, go. Great answers. Love them. You're all correct. Absolutely. Welcome back, kids and kids leaders. Uh, so great to have you guys with us again this Sunday. All right. Really quick, the most important announcement I have for you is that this coming Saturday, July 1st, which that's wild, it's already July, is our first ever pickleball tournament right here at church. Going down right here in this room. We already have like seven, eight teams signed up, so we're getting there. But if you want to sign up, if you want to come and play with us on Saturday, whether you've ever played pickleball before or not, everybody is welcome. Please try and do your best to sign up by this Wednesday. That will give us the best amount of time to like do all the brackets and figure all that stuff out. So you can find that link for the registration form. It's super easy, just like your name and some basic stuff, uh, either in our weekly email or on our church website under the events tab. So come hang out if you're in town. I know it's 4th of July weekend. We have several folks traveling. Uh, we'll try and do, do another one soon. But if you're in town and you want to come hang out, play pickleball with us this Saturday, head over to our website, sign up. We'd love to have you there. All right, this is the point in our worship service where we're able to stand, greet each other, and pass the peace of Christ. So please go and do so. All right, everybody, let's find our way back to our seats as we continue in our worship together as one body.
Today I have the joy and the privilege of reading our preparation for worship together. This morning our scripture reading comes from Psalm 69, verses 1 through 18. And let us take a moment this morning to reflect and put ourselves in the shoes of the psalmist. The psalmist that has overcome so much in his own life. That there were people always after him and against him. And so let us reflect on the words of the psalmist today. It says this, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes, they fail looking for my God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are my enemies without cause. Those who seek to destroy me, I am forced to restore what I did not steal. You, God, know my folly. My guilt is not hidden from you. Lord, the Almighty, may those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me. God of Israel, may those who seek you not be put to shame because of me. For I endure scorn for your sake, and shame covers my face. I am a foreigner to my own family, a stranger to my own mother's children. For zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. When I weep and fast, I must endure scorn. When I put on sackcloth, people make sport of me. Those who sit at the gate mock me, and I am the song of the drunkards. But I pray to you, Lord, in the time of your favor, in your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate me, from the deep waters. Do not let the flood waters engulf me, or the death swallow me up, or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, Lord, out of the goodness of your love. In your great mercy, turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in trouble. Come near and rescue me. Deliver me because of my foes. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us this morning. God, would we follow the posture of the psalmist today? Would we offer our cries out to you, Lord? Would we seek guidance from you? Would we seek shelter and help from you, God? As we live a life with so many unexpected turns, as we live a life that does not always go according to the plans that we have, may we turn to you and offer our lives to you. For Lord, we are in your hands and we are yours. We thank you for the life and the day that you bless us with, the air that is in and out of our lungs today. It is a gift from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let us stand together and let us respond in worship. Oh Lord, we turn our hearts to you. Come now, fount of every blessing. Tune our hearts to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy and 
never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above and praise of of God's unfailing love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure, safely
Mount of God's redeeming love. Amen. You may be seated. There's so many ways to thank God for the love and the grace that has been lavished upon us. And let us take a moment and a time to thank the way that God's love and grace has been a part of our children's lives here at our church. As a tradition of this place, we always pray for our children as they are being shaped and molded in Christ's image by the leaders and the work of this church. And let us together pray a prayer of blessing over them. It comes out of Philippians 1. Let us pray together. This is my prayer for you, our children, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of God. Amen. Amen. Children, have fun today. See you later. We want to take a time to just contextualize this band a little bit. I told the group that was in here a little earlier that we are a band that was formed with uh, Point Loma Nazarene University, our neighbors. And they throw out these what they call summer ministry teams, which are basically worship bands and an admissions counselor. And they get sent to different youth camps across the Nazarene world. So for us... Our camp this week was Arizona camp. So we traveled to Arizona last weekend, and we served Arizona camp in any way they need any service. So we not only just played music, but you can even see in some of the pictures that we have. We bonded with some of the kids, even our own. We had George Williamson Jr. Uh, actually go to Arizona camp, and so there's us with him. And not only did we bond with the kids, but we got a little dirty as well. We ended up doing water wars. We ended up doing, this is a color war. And so we got the opportunity to not only get a bunch of uh, powdered color sprayed on us, but we got to spray it on 300 different Arizonian kids as well. And so we want to just take a time to introduce ourselves. This is actually kind of the tradition when any time one of our bands goes to a church, we take some time to just introduce the members. And so um, I will start. My name is Austin Holmes, and I have been at the University of San Diego First Church for the past three years. I graduated from the University of Point Loma with a music and ministry major. And I'm originally from Visalia, California. The Clacius's are here. There we go. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. Hi, I'm Sam Franz. Um, I am a last semester senior at Point Loma, so I'll graduate in December. Um, I'm a sociology major and a worship arts minor, um, and I'm originally from San Jose, California. Hi, everyone. My name's Hadley Halbert. I am a Point Loma graduate, and I get to work at Point Loma now in our student life information department. I am originally from Glendora, California, but now I call San Diego home. Hi, everyone. My name is Arm Boyajian. I'm from Pasadena, California. I'm currently going to be a sophomore here at Point Loma. I'm studying computer science, and uh, I was playing guitar on the team. Hello. My name is Sophia Starner. I am actually originally from the Arizona district, so it was fun to go home. Um, but I graduated from Point Loma as well. I work in the admissions office with our very own Lexi Mercado. And um, is that all? That's all. Hi, everybody. My name's Tyler. Um, I'm a junior going into my junior year at Point Loma. Um, I'm originally from Santa Barbara, California, and I've been playing drums all week. 
And we could not make sound if we didn't have anyone running sound, and we couldn't have people sing along with us if we didn't have anyone running the words. And so you might not be able to see Tori up there, but I'll be doing Tori's intro for her. She's waving all the way up in the top. That's Tori. She's from Santa Clarita, California, and she is going to be a junior psychology major this year at Point Loma. Oh, and Luke's in the, in the sound, sound booth. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. Thanks, Luke. Let's, oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> give a round of applause. Luke also has been working at San Diego First Church for the past, I mean, five, six months. And so it was an awesome opportunity for both of us to be able to have a Sunday where an SMT was coming. And it was like, sick, we, we got every, everything covered this week. Let me uh, pray for us as we continue in our worship together. Thanks so much for being so hospitable. I, there's many churches that you can think of that are, yep, they're going to be really cool and very welcoming to this group, and San Diego First Church is definitely part of that list. I'm also very biased because I think I host a great job, so um, let, let me pray for us. God, we, we take a moment to breathe in and breathe out your grace. What a gift that you have blessed us with, this life that we live. Um, many of us are fortunate enough to have food and shelter whenever we need it, and we give gratitude for that privilege and we we think and we intercede on the others that don't have that privilege and we pray for their shelter and we pray for their food God we want to use our lives not only just to sustain ourselves not only just to privilege ourselves but we want to bring forward your kingdom we want to sustain your kingdom and so as individuals and as a body, Lord, we lift up our lives as an offering to you. As you have called us to love you and love others, may this form of worship and our devotion and our dedication to you show our great admiration and our great love for you. And same for those that are around us, that the way in which we love them, we serve them. God, use us and shape us and form us. Thank you for letting us be a part of the restoration and the healing that takes place here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. stand together. Let us sing of God's strength, of God's love, and let us respond with our devotion and our love to Christ together.
display light in life in our devotion to you. In Jesus' name, we sing and pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Sam is going to read our scripture reading today out of Romans 6. What shall I say then? Shall I go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have who have died to sin, so so that we can live. Oh goodness, I can't actually read it from there. I'm gonna read it from here. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were there. Therefore, buried with him through baptism into life in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we may too live a new life. For if we have been united with him in his death, like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him 
so that the body ruled by sin might be, might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we die with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has majesty over him. The, the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. all of you this morning. My name is Dee, and uh, one of the pastors here, I get the privilege this morning of taking us deeper into the passage of scripture you just heard in Romans chapter 6. Before I do, I just want to make a couple comments. One, how amazing is it that um, when the university is trying to figure out what to do with Arizona, they tap into our folks and fill in some of the things to give some of our people a chance to minister in that fashion. It's marvelous. And when we bring to campus uh, next door a group of people who are being um, going through a kind of training and assessment process early on in the ministry life, that they use our facilities and tap into some of our people to help with the things that are going on. And week after week, month after month, the partnership and relationship and the privilege that we have to provide um, facilities to provide people, to provide resources. What a gift it is to be in a place and a location and the opportunity to minister in such a way that um, we have. And I just want to say thanks to you for supporting this place. Um, thanks to God and God's Spirit for um, putting in our hearts a desire to participate and minister. And um, one of my great joys uh, is joining in with some of the um, assessment stuff with ministers early on in their career. Over my journey for quite a few years, going back, back about 20, I've done assessment with the general church for missionaries and then church planters and now ministers early in their journey. And to participate in that process is a real privilege. And I get to do it because of you, so thank you. Um, this is your church, and it's fun to watch what happens when we surrender what we have to God's purposes. Along that line, I put a challenge out to you last week. Uh, we had a wonderful um, presentation last week from a missionary uh, who is working in Brazil in the Amazon River area. And uh, the need to have more boats to go down the Amazon River to the communities that are along the river and tributaries that can't be reached by road. And the desire was if there's any way we could pitch in to the purchase of a boat for about $2,500 and that just seemed far less than what we could or should do. So I thought we really ought to be at least participating to the tune of $5,000 sometime between now and the end of the summer. And this is just one week later, and we're already at about $4,100. So thank you for contributing to that. And uh, I'm telling some of you, get in before we have the full amount, because I just have to refuse your money. That's all I'm saying. 
No. Whatever comes in over 5000 we will add to the gift and send it off to the church planting work in Brazil. Again, what a privilege to be part of that. Um, I also know that in our crowd like this, we have a lot of people who have friends or family members, or maybe you, um, in terms of uh, desiring prayer, prayer for difficult circumstances or health-related issues. Just a quick update, because some of you have asked, um, Irene Champagne went in for open-heart surgery um, earlier this week and uh, had a chance to visit with her, and she says, thank you for all your prayers, and then followed by, please don't stop. Um, she's doing well and recovering well, um, already standing up and walking with assistance, and uh, probably in a few more days might be released to go home for um, probably a month and a half of recovery of uh, valve replacement. Um, and I asked the question, so she didn't offer, but it's a cow's valve, so she says she's learning to moo more than she has in the past. So. She said it. I did not. I would not have. Um, make sure I didn't miss something. Oh, yeah, and then one of the last announcement that didn't get um, made during the uh, early session with the announcements is uh, just a reminder that next week, for those of you that enjoy the 9 o'clock morning tide service, we will have that in the Ellipse Chapel again 9 o'clock next week. Love for you to join us if you would like to. Um, a lot of guests here this morning. It is great to have you here. I don't know, um, some of you, uh, it's, you're not guests, just haven't seen you a while, and it's wonderful to have you here. Um, some, I think, are here visiting from out of town, and that's wonderful as well. I hope that your experience in the course of your time here will maybe lend you to a position or posture that, oh yeah, this is a great church away from home when we're in San Diego, and we hope you come to San Diego all the time, because with the exception of the last three months of gray weather, it's always like this. <laughs> Just ignore the last three months. Um, so, I've now clouded uh, the distance from when you heard the reading of Romans chapter 6 till now. So, just a quick refresher. We have been attempting to look at several passages in Romans. Romans 5 through 8 kind of stands as a particular grouping of chapters within this larger letter that Paul wrote to the church at Rome. And the audience for this is um, made up of, I, I would suggest, a congregation that has characteristics somewhat like us. It's in an urban setting or a city. It is... Um, probably a little bit different in that it has some strong, strong political significance that we may not have in terms of the center of power of the Roman Empire, but it faces some of the issues of a congregation that has a significant mixture in terms of their background and how they think and how they come together to try and form community this particular congregation would be comprised of both Jews and Gentiles. The Gentiles 
and the Jews, though they would have different perspective on Roman citizenship, each have their own set of struggles with what that means. And as followers of Christ, it feels like as you read through this that they face some of the same issues that we might face. How do we form community in the midst of our differences? How do we hold one another faithfully? How do we wrestle with doubt? What do we do with sin and how do we address the kinds of things that set us back or keep us trapped? I have typically thought that the book of Romans or the letter of Romans was written to grad students in theology at some university during the Roman Empire. It just feels like that. And though I love sections of Romans, sometimes it's very, very difficult to get into what it is that it's trying to communicate. But I want to tell you, maybe an encouragement, is that my thinking has shifted on this. Romans really is not at all intended for the graduate students trying to finish their master's thesis and uh, debate the theological presuppositions of salvation and grace. It is very much a pastoral letter from Paul to a church recognizing that the journey is not always easy. And, and I just, paraphrasing Paul, want to give you some foundation places just to kind of plant your feet. Steady yourself. In the midst of doubts or uncertainty or having a difficult time figuring out how this faith journey works, let me give you some solid places to hold you steady and faithful. We come in this reading into the middle of something. I said that five through eight kind of stands as a, a full thought, so now we're coming in at six. And it even indicates, be careful that you don't jump in in this moment, because it says, what shall we say then? In other words, as a result of everything you just heard, what should we say then? Should we go on sinning that grace may abound? Well, if you think this is the start of a thought, then you miss the whole point of the thought because it goes back to chapter 5. This section talks about things that are very common to the Christian thought process. It speaks about suffering. And, and the struggle with suffering. It, it just seems like if we are God's children and we've said you are the Lord of our life, that we ought to be favored in such a way that suffering doesn't happen. And Paul just simply acknowledges, yeah, that's not true. <laughs> Suffering's part of the life we live. But then, what do we do with suffering when it comes? Also talks about sin. And I think that this is a powerful piece We'll come back to it in a few minutes. But this acknowledgement, not simply that sin is and then what Jesus has done for us, 
and salvation that comes, but then acknowledges, yeah, and then there's still sin. This very honest acknowledgement that Christians are not always obedient to God's call on their life. Well, that's problematic, it seems. And Paul says, no, it's not problematic. But let's talk about what this means and how we respond. The other reading we had this morning was um, a psalm. Psalm 69 is this long one, and as long as it sounded as Austin was reading it, that was only half of it. So thank you for stopping at the halfway point. It's just as a long psalm. But it talks about suffering. It starts off with this beautiful and unsettling graphic description of I feel like the water is coming right up to the top of my face and I'm having a tough time thinking of anything else about anything else but about drowning. I took a group of teens a long, long time ago up to the sand dunes on the south end of Lake Michigan. It's a beautiful place. And unlike some of the sand dunes we might find out here in the western states where they just kind of sit out in the middle of nowhere in these massive dunes that you can go and explore and recreation, these dunes are really nice in that they go all the way right into Lake Michigan. And so it's a delightful place and a beautiful place to be. Lake Michigan is interesting. I, I don't, you probably don't know this, but not only is there great sailing on Lake Michigan, but there are places in Lake Michigan where you can surf, and there's just some unique surfing that goes on in that uh, it's cold during many of the months, and avid surfers continue to surf through some of those cold months different kind of uh, weather patterns and uh, types of waves. It's a wonderful place. I took the teens there and a bunch of us went swimming in Lake Michigan. And it was a warm day, but the water was cold. And I enjoyed just getting out a little bit further. The waves at this part of Lake Michigan are not waves like here, nothing like that at all. Um, and the wind wasn't that strong. And so a wonderful sandy bottom, which is not typical of all lakes in the Midwest, but certainly of this portion of Lake Michigan where the sand dunes are. And I got out to an area that probably was about, I don't know, maybe seven, eight feet deep. And I'm not that far from shore, but I'm kind of by myself and just, it just was pleasant. And then all of a sudden, doesn't happen to me very often, only a couple times in the water, but I got a terrible calf cramp and they're debilitating like it just clenched up now seven feet of water is just a little too much in that moment and I was having a difficult time and nobody was close enough to respond and so this pattern for the next probably felt like forever, but 10 minutes, I was grabbing my calf because it just was like a solid baseball. 
and I would go down till with the other leg I could touch bottom, rub the calf, and then push myself up and get as much air as I could and go back down again. Each push, I would try and push closer toward the shore so that I was getting shallower and shallower. And like I said, it felt like it lasted forever, probably no more than about 10 minutes. But each time coming up for air and just <sighs> gasping, I knew that I could do this and it worked out. But when I read this opening verse, that's what I think of. It's hard to think of anything else. When the water comes up high, it's not like you're going to spend the next few moments contemplating what you're going to have for dinner or uh, what the ride home is going to be like. It's, oh my leg, oh my lungs, oh my leg, oh my lungs, gasping as the water was just so high that it consumed my thinking. And the psalmist is saying, sometimes that's what suffering feels like. Just far enough away, you're not sure anybody hears. A gas that holds you for a little while, but you know it won't hold you forever. Enough energy to get through the day, but not sure to get through the week suffering. There are some who have called this psalm the song of Hagar. I'm not sure that there's what the connection is or how that moniker has gotten to that place. It's not listed in the top of the psalm. It's referencing a particular song title and mentions of David. But I don't know if you know the story of Hagar. I'm guessing some of you do. This is the woman who was the handmaiden of Sarah. And there was a promise that Abraham and Sarah had from God. And Sarah's plan to bring about God's promise in the only way Sarah could figure out to bring about God's promise. And Hagar was subjected to something I wouldn't wish on anybody. But she was given to Abraham, gave birth to a child, Ishmael, and when Sarah and Abraham had a child of their own, Hagar and Ishmael were sent away. It's a horrible story. And so in the midst of those who read through the Psalms, it makes some sense that somebody might say, ooh, the song of Hagar. You see, there are different types of sufferings. I I'm going to mention three. You could probably create your own categories. But there's the kind of suffering that comes just by um, e events that take place by, by nature, catastrophic events that seemingly no one has control over at all, weather events, tragedies that occur. 
there's the kind of suffering that comes from our own doing, our own missteps, our own choices. I'll have to confess that I have had such a blessed journey. When I look back over my journey, I would say that most of my suffering is my own choices. Then there is a suffering that scripture talks about at times and we might experience, maybe you have, and that's at the hands of others. The choices of others, the actions of others that have left you in a position of suffering, like Hagar. The actions taken by other people and then the promise of God. Whatever was meant for harm, for evil, for whatever was done that seems like it is against you. The promise of God that I can transform those things into good. Tough to see that in the midst of the water up to the nose. Tough to believe that in the midst of going down and pushing off the bottom of the journey of your life, hoping you can get a little bit closer to shore. And if you go back and listen and read the words of Hagar, she cries out to God, O oh Lord, have you forgotten your servant? Have you forgotten? And God provides. There's no promise of when that provision will come. There's no certainty of what it will look like. But Paul in Romans writes and says, suffering's part of the journey. There is a very strange portion of the psalm that makes it sound like the psalmist is, oh Lord, I'm doing this on your behalf. It's not too far different than what Paul says in Romans chapter 6. What should we say then? Should we go on sinning that grace may abound? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried together with him through baptism unto death. In order that just as Christ raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in his death, we'll also be united with him in his resurrection. This powerful promise that acknowledges there is suffering, but through this suffering, there is a conclusion that is life. It's what we talked about two weeks ago, this this powerful rhythm of God that speaks life out of death, that creates out of nothing. And so in the midst of suffering where you see no good outcome, it's out of that nothing that you see that God creates that which you've not yet seen but is coming to pass. 
the other piece that's addressed in this Romans passage is sin. It's right off the bat. As a result of all I've described about being joined with Christ, about freedom from the law, about my promise, God's promise to us, that it's not about what I do, it's about what God has already done. That my right relationship with God is not dependent on you or me. My right relationship with God is dependent upon what God has already done. But, I'm hearing what you're thinking. If it's dependent on God and God has paid the price and I'm free, then I, I'll just go on living the way I'm living. And then Paul responds, well, what are you saying? That we're just going to go on sinning just so that there'll be more grace? Well, that doesn't make any sense, is what Paul's saying. Come on! If you taste the freedom, don't fall short of what the freedom offers it offers freedom from the pain of sin, the consequences of living a way that is against the way God created all of creation. For we were created to live in flourishing ways, not in drowning ways. Years ago, I had... Kim Kundrak, take me out sailing. I, I've mentioned this before, but it fits so beautifully in this Romans passage. He took me out sailing, and uh, it, was, it was a really nice wind. We were out in the San Diego Harbor, and um, he, he gave me the helm, and I was steering us in this wind, and he was working the sails and the jib, uh, getting it set just right. And I had not sailed this size of a boat before. I grew up in small lakes in Michigan and had, I don't know, like little 10, 12-foot sailboats. Um, and you tipped over all the time, and that was part of the fun. But I knew that we were in a different game right now, and that was not what you were supposed to do. And I was really anxious that I was going to do something wrong that would cause this boat to tip over and it would be the last sailing adventure I ever had with Kim. And so I was familiar enough with how sailboats operate that when we would kind of heel up and the boat would start leaning over significantly, I would um, move the rudder in such a way that it would pull out of that and level out and we would keep going kind of straight and I'd pull it back in such a position we'd start leaning up again and when it made me a little nervous that I was getting too close to what I thought was the danger point I'd do the same thing and Kim in his incredibly kind but very direct way said D what are you doing I was hoping for more affirmation, but didn't get it in that moment. And I said, well, I'm, I'm trying to keep us from, you know, going over. And his response changed sailing out in the harbor forever for me. 
should be. Boats with keels like this are designed in such a way that they don't go over. The way the wind hits the sail and the dynamics of the boat, it will correct itself if it needs to. You don't need to keep doing this back and forth thing. It's slowing us down. Kim loves speed, and so I was really hindering his day. And I said, it's not going to go over? And he said, no, it's designed to sail like this. It's a great sailing lesson. It's an even more powerful spiritual lesson. You were designed to flourish. The issue that Paul deals with in sin is, here's the struggle with sin. Christians who have given their life to the Lord and struggle with sin, and then it raises all kinds of doubts. There are two pieces to this freedom story, and both of them are critical. First is that the price for sin has already been paid. You've been set free. Christ has paid the price for whatever debt there is regarding sin, not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ has done, and you have been set free from the penalty of sin. Don't worry about making a mistake on the sailboat of life. I mean, if it has consequences, you need to fix those things and, and make amends and help whatever has taken place that you or I participated in, absolutely. But the grace of God is constantly pouring over your life and God's smile on your journey as we learn together in community. This is freedom from the penalty and the horrific consequences eternally of sin and invites us into learning from the temporary consequences of sin to do better, to be better, to love better. Part one. Part two is we've been created this way to flourish so that this invitation to the Spirit's transformation of your life so that old habits begin to change, old patterns begin to be addressed, ways of doing things that have been blinded to the consequences of my actions because I haven't paid any attention to the things that I do. I, I was confronted, just me, I'm not trying to impose all of this on everyone else, but how little I think of the disposable nature of my life when I saw the pictures of, I believe it's Ghana, I apologize if I get this wrong, but where the textile industry has found a dumping ground. I'm not blaming it on the textile industry, it's those of us who go through textiles, clothing, so frequently in this beautiful country where the beaches are covered with old clothes, no longer contained in the large dumping areas. It began to take place because it became a very important market for secondary clothing, a good thing. But then because that became the place to send things instead of 
there being a palette where 75% of it was great for secondhand sales, now it became a palette where four out of 90 pieces of clothing were good for secondhand sales. Everything else had to be dumped in a country that couldn't handle that. And I pay no attention. This is not to heap guilt on you. This is to say that the freedom that God gives is the freedom to step into those ways in which I've been blinded, me, about how my actions affect you or other communities or other places. It is a freedom that allows the Spirit to work in my life to be molded into a flourishing way of living. A posture where I don't act out of guilt. I act out of love. And in that posture, there is such great freedom because I don't always get it right. I got to confess, I probably don't get it right more than I get it right. But that posture of love drives me to a place where I become more and more like the sailboat that is designed to flourish, to sail unimpeded, to use the beautiful power of God's creative winds to get to the destinations I want to go and to do it in ways that honor you and you and others because I've learned the principles of the kingdom and they come alive in my life again, not out of guilt but out of a passionate place of love. And it's the passionate love that I've received in God's grace that turns me to a place of, oh, could I possibly live that way? Instead of the constant worry and correction, the guilt and uncertainty, the shame and living out of places in my life that I didn't even know were there and they come to the surface, I have a voice that every once in a while sounds like Kim Kundrak that says, this is how I created you to be. To love, to care, to be transformed so that you might be transforming agents for me. That's the invitation of Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on this same way? always depending that grace is going to cover things? No. We died to that way of life. Why would we want to live that way anymore? You see, we've been baptized with Christ. And just like Christ was raised from the dead, so we are called now to live a new life in new ways under the power of Christ. Oh, thanks be to God. That's the life I want to live. I invite you to do the same as well. As the band comes, let me pray for us.
Oh, God, what an invitation. I love that Paul writes to us a pastoral letter of encouragement that says, I know sometimes it feels like you're suffering. I know that sometimes sin leads you to a place of disbelief, wondering if you can ever get it right. Or is it always going to be this hard? Oh, Holy Spirit, whisper in our ears. Relax. Hold the helm steady. Listen to my voice. Be present in the moment. Look for ways to love. Know how much you are loved. I am not here, says the Spirit of God, to chastise, but to redeem, to restore, to reconcile. To renew. I'm here to be beside you in love, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of struggle, because God, you have called us to flourish. Hear our cry when the waters come up high, when the muscles cramp and the heart hurts. When the struggle's profound, and I wonder if I can go on, be ever present. Fill the next breath of our lungs. Invite us to trust, push away unbelief, and restore our joy. For, Lord, when the sails are full and we're moving with the rhythms of the water, it feels like we can fly. Nurture the hope. Stoke the flames of your spirit within us. And teach us how better to love. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's stand together and respond in worship. Thank you, Jesus, for the life that you've blessed us with, the way in which you've saved us.
So I hope and pray that Christ's love will fill you. I'm guessing that there are some who feel a little close to the water being up close to the nose. There are others who this morning, you're just trimming the sails for what God's doing in your life, wherever you are. Don't do it alone. We're in community together. Share your joys and share the concerns. Hold one another in prayer. Let's lift up one another this week in all that takes place in your journey and in mine. So may God's grace pour over you. May God's peace fill you. May you know the freedom in Christ that is uniquely yours and ours together. Be God's grace for others you come into contact with. God bless you. Have a great week.